All right, so we are in this series, Wisdom for Life, and throughout the series, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. And we talked about a whole bunch of different aspects of Proverbs. We talked about this idea that um, Proverbs that sits within the wisdom literature in the Hebrew Scripture is one part of the wisdom scripture. You might even call it the, the baseline level of wisdom that you see unfold into some of the other wisdom literature books such as Job and Ecclesiastes. And you kind of need to work with them all together. And there are scholars who say there are more than just those three books that are part of the wisdom literature, such as the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Um, some scholars even argue that the book of Esther should be part of that wisdom literature. But regardless, what we're learning as we look at the book of Proverbs, or we've been talking about, is that Proverbs are not meant to be read as laws or promises, as much as observations of life, in which God speaks to us, and God, who is wisdom, uses these Proverbs as an opportunity for us to reflect on our lives, to reflect on how life really is, and to consider what wisdom looks like in our life. There's 914 Proverbs. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of them for you to learn and to read. And they're all different types. Sometimes you have some Proverbs that seem to contradict them. One Proverb will say it one way, and then you'll read a little bit further down in that particular Proverb and go, hang on, isn't it now saying the opposite? Because what the writer of the Proverbs are trying to teach us is that life is complex. And there are so many different ways to look at things and situations and circumstances. And as you read through the Proverbs, one of the best things you can do is to learn as a spirit-led follower of Christ how to actually think like the writer of the Proverbs. To look at life, to observe life, to slow down and to reflect and to consider how life is and how the decisions and the choices that we make in our life have impact. A few weeks ago, we were talking about one of the themes in the book of Proverbs as being generosity. And what does it mean for us to move beyond just the circular dynamic of middle-class generosity where we're kind and generous and look out for our mates and we shout someone and we give someone a nice gift and then maybe down the track we may end up with a nice gift and that's a wonderful way to live and you should keep doing that, especially for me. But as we were saying, we have to make sure that we remember that when Proverbs talks about generosity, it's not just generosity in our little social group. It's generosity that looks at the world around about us and says, what kind of a world does God want? It's a generosity that says every part of our being should be participating in contributing to the world that God is renewing and making new. And that means care for the poor, for the oppressed. It means being an advocate and speaking up for those who have no voice. It means expressing the resources that we have in our life in such a way that others that we have contact with or we know about can experience the blessing of shalom and peace, joy, goodness that God intends for everyone. And this is how we're invited to live. Last week, uh, we heard on Mother's Day, uh, uh, gosh, mind blank. Trisha, so sorry, Trisha. I know you really well, Trisha. Actually do. Do you know once I went up to, at a Christmas event to introduce a good friend of mine to my dad. And as I said, 
Dad, this is my friend that I've known for like 15 years. I just get like a total mind blank. And I'm going, this is my friend, Dad. You guys should, should talk and introduce yourselves to one another. My friend's looking, what the heck? Anyway, I just had one of those moments. Last week, Trisha was talking to us about the fear of the Lord um, and God's purpose for our life. And this idea of how we live our life the way God has created us to be. And are we living that out? Or are we pulling back from the way God has designed us to live? This morning, I want to ask you a question as we talk about today's theme that we see in the book of Proverbs. And this is the question I want to ask yourself. Have you ever done something honest and it cost you something that you wanted? Now, if you flip that around the other way, Have you ever got something in your life, but you know you got it through dishonest means? I'm putting my hand up. I'm not, you don't have to put your hand up. I know you've all done that. We all have. You know, when I was young, back in the days when your parents did discipline a little bit different to the way we do discipline these days, um, I remember getting in trouble one day, and this has come in kind of handy to say this to my kids every now and again when they get in trouble, and when they defend themselves and say, this time I didn't do that. And I remember one time getting in trouble for something I really didn't do. And my dad's saying to me, yeah, well, that's for the time that you didn't get caught, even if you didn't do it this time. And I was like, oh, fair enough. And, uh, and, and I've now used that as a parent. And I, I'm not sure if that's the wisest way to parent, but anyway, it's come in handy a couple of times. Uh, when, you, when you're not quite sure if they really did do the thing that they're telling you that they didn't do, but you're like, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you're lying to me at the moment. I'm going to give you a phrase this morning, and I want you to say the phrase if you can back to me. If you're uncomfortable to say the phrase, no one has to say the phrase. But if you're comfortable and you say, this isn't going to hurt me, then you can say the phrase. This is the phrase. Go back and touch the wall. Can we all say that together if you can? All right, now just remember that and hold on to that for a few minutes, all right? Go back and touch the wall. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 1, it reads like this. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Dishonest scales are an abomination to Yahweh. The word in this particular passage there is sometimes translated as an abomination. But in the translation that we're reading from this morning, we read this as, the Lord detests. Now this particular proverb, as many proverbs do, they often have a narrative that sit in the background of them. Things that as people grew up hearing the Hebrew scriptures and the law and the prophets, they would recall to their minds as they reflected back on their history. And this particular verse calls to mind the legal provisions for scales in the marketplace or the weights and how you measure something accurately of which the book of Leviticus and the book of Deuteronomy had very specific laws to direct the people of Israel about how they were to do honest dealings 
in business and in life with others. The practice of dishonest scales was basically condemned because these were transactions in which a seller would shave or chisel a weight in order to make a small profit for each sale. And I was trying to get a visual for what this was, and the only thing that came to my mind as a modern equivalent of this is the great injustice, and I'm sure you've experienced this, that that took place with a particular brand of candy or lollies. And I'm not going to name it because these videos go on YouTube, and I don't want to get sued or have our church get sued, but there's a particular brand that has a lolly that's round, looks like a mini donut. You all know the one I'm talking about. And do you know that over time, they made the hole in the middle of this lolly a little bit bigger? In other words, we were getting a little bit less lolly, but for the same price. Have you ever had a life-saving moment where you're like, this lolly's going to help me in this moment, and you've taken it, and all of a sudden you had a moment, it's like, I feel like I'm getting ripped off. I feel like there's less lolly here than there was the last time I had one of these. It's not quite the same, but it's in that same dynamic. I think God's pretty upset with lifesavers having a... Oh, with life-saving moments when you really need a lolly and the hole's a little bit bigger than you think it should be. And it's microscopic, but it adds up. And for those of us who love those particular moments, um, that's significant. Nevertheless, there is a moral principle that is set in Scripture for the way that we do sales, the way that we engage with others. And this principle that we see in this particular passage is a reminder to us that we're meant to do things the right way. We're meant to be upstanding. We're meant to act with integrity. And this relates not just to the way we do business Uh, the way that we actually, you know, give people the appropriate amount that they are owned or that they pay for. But this relates to all aspects of life, such as clocking in and out with a timesheet or whether or not we falsify travel claims for our tax or whether or not we're cheating or we're taking shortcuts on different aspects of life. In verse 3 of Proverbs chapter 11, it says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The word integrity is a word that gets thrown around a whole lot in society and culture. It's often defined as the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, or the state of being whole or undivided. Typically, it involves things like telling the truth and being fair being reliable, being consistent, making sure that your actions and your values are in alignment. The word integrity actually originates from the Latin term integer, which means whole or complete. Sometimes the term is also related to the word integrate, meaning to bring together or unify into a whole. Now just hold that word integrity there for a moment, and let's look at this other word that the proverb makes mention of, and that is duplicity. 
Duplicity is the act of being deceitful or dishonest, typically by saying or doing two contradictory things. Sometimes it's associated with um, double dealing or deceit or fraud. This word actually comes from the Latin word duplicitous, which means double or twofold. Sometimes this is where, where we get the phrase, a, a two-faced person who's misleading in their actions or their intentions. In other words, someone who's duplicitous might say one thing but do another or act in a totally different way than we would expect or hope for them. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, it says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Have you ever discovered, as you observe your life and you look back over your life, that when you've violated integrity in your own heart or your own life, there's always more at stake in the moment than you realized when you were tempted to make a shortcut or to do something that goes against your conviction or your values. This became really clear to me on a number of occasions growing up. One of them was I had, I was in my first year at Bible college. I was around uh, about 19 years of age and I started working part-time in a tool engineering company in Western Sydney. And uh, this tool engineering company had all this huge machinery in there. And on this one particular day, I'd been trained in how to uh, shape this metal in a certain way. And they asked me to go into another factory. And I was going to be in this factory working there by myself. So I went in there. They set the machines up. These machines are worth like, you know, half a million dollars, sometimes up to a million dollars. Huge machinery. And so I'm in there and the radio's playing and I'm just in a factory by myself, and I'm about to do the most boring task for pretty much the whole day. I'm gonna get a sheet of metal, I'm gonna load it up on this machine, I'm gonna put the metal in, I'm gonna pull this grate down, and I'm gonna press a pedal, and it's gonna come down, and it's gonna shape this metal, then I'm gonna lift the grill up, pick the metal up, and put it on a tray, and I've done the job. Except I'm just gonna do that hundreds of times. So I'm in this factory by myself, and I'm getting a little bit bored with this machine, and I'm looking at another machine about five meters away from me, and I'm thinking, I wonder what that machine does. So I decided to just have a little break, and I walk over, and I see this other machine, and it's got this big pedal on the side of the machine. And I'm like, I might just press it and see what happens. So I put my foot on the pedal and I pushed down because I was kind of curious whether it worked the same way as the other machine. And as I put my foot on the pedal, this massive plate drops down in the machine and there's this almighty bang. And I'm like, ah! And I run back to my machine. I put my little uh, headphone thing, uh, earmuffs on that I had and I concentrate and I start just putting the metal back in and I'm doing it. And about 30 seconds later, two guys from the other factory come running into my factory and run up to me and go, what was that? And I'm like, what was what? And they're like, what was that sound? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. 
my heart's racing a lot, I'm thinking in my head. But I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. And they're like, so everything's all right? And they're all looking around and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And they're like, so nothing happened. I'm like, I don't know, nothing, nothing happened that I'm aware of. Next minute, the boss who owns the company walks in, walks up and goes, what was that? And I'm like, and they're like, we don't know. I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, everything's all right? I'm like, everything's fine. He walks around all the machinery, has a look, walks out, everyone goes back. I'm sweet. I go back and I start putting the metal pieces on and my heart rate slowly is coming back down to normal and I'm like, phew. And then I pause for my next break and I'm walking back over to the machine. I didn't touch it again. I'm just looking at it going, what did I do? And I was trying to work it out and I was tempted to see if I could move something, but I thought I better not touch it. And I walked back and I did my job. But as I was working on my job throughout the day, I had this increasing nagging feeling that I've just lied to three different people, including the boss who owns the company, about what happened. Because I was freaking out. And isn't it true that whenever we lie, whether it's a white lie or it's a full-blown, massive deception lie, the reason why we do it is not instinctively because we're a bad person who wants to deceive people. It's because we're afraid. We're scared of the consequence. We're scared of being looked at differently than who we think we really are. And so as I'm working on this machine, all of a sudden, I just get this conviction, which I would argue is the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying to me, you need to go in and you need to put this right and tell the boss what happened this afternoon. So for like two or three hours, I'm having a debate in my head. Have you ever done this? Just going, ah, oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, it was, it was like having the, the, little, the little demon on one shoulder and the little angel on the other shoulder going, you should probably go tell the boss. And this one going, no, he doesn't need to tell the boss. It's fine. It's not even a big deal. It's nothing. And look, you got away with it. It's no big deal. And this was like going on for hours until I just, I had no peace. And it was getting close to the time where I was about to leave and clock off. And I was feeling stressed about the situation. So I decided, all right, God help me. So... I actually waited out of embarrassment for everyone else to leave when they all clocked off. And then I walk into the factory and I go into this other little office where the boss is and I knock on the door and I say, G'day. And he just turns around and goes, How you going? And walks back, goes back to his computer and I go, Can I come in and see you for a second? And he goes, Yep, come in, take a seat. Just keeps working away on the computer. I'm like, eh. So I sit down and I'm not sure if I'm meant to, I'm like, do I let him finish? I don't know. It's like awkward. I'm just sitting there for a few minutes. And he turns around and he goes, did you want to talk to me about something? And I'm like, um, yes. And I said, well, you know, earlier today when you came in and you asked, had anything happened? And he spins around in his swivel seat <laughs> and he looks right at me and he goes, yeah. I said, well, I'm really sorry, but I was freaking out, but I actually did walk over to one of the other machines and I put my foot on the pedal and the plate dropped. And that was probably the sound that you heard. But when everyone ran in, I freaked out and thought maybe I've destroyed a super massive, expensive piece of equipment. And he went, hmm. And he looked at me and he said, well, thank you. Thanks for telling me the truth. 
I wondered all afternoon if you were going to wander in and tell me that. He said, because I knew exactly as soon as I heard it what it was, because we've had it happen many times before. And I was like, ah. And he goes, do you know how expensive that equipment is? I'm like, ah, oh, pretty expensive. And he's like, yeah, that thing's like worth, you know, half a million dollars. I was like, oh. And he's like, but it's fine. And I'm like, ah. You know, like, it's making me sweat. But he says, but I wondered if you'd come in and tell me what happened. Because it's like, I'll walk back in there and I'll reset the thing back up again. But I just wanted to know if you'd come in and tell the truth. And he said, so well done. Thank you. And he said, now for that, and he told me the Hail Marys I needed to do and a few other things he was going to make me do as a punishment, but he was just joking and stirring me up. And then he said, all right, off you go. He said, and as I walked out, he said, I mean it, thank you. And I drove home that day a bit shaken and a bit freaked out going, whoa. Imagine if I had just ignored, listened to the little demon voice saying, nah, you'll be right. I would have undermined my influence with others and he knew that I was studying in my first year at Bible college to become a pastor in a church. Another little story to add to the many stories of hypocrisy of those who walk or say they want to walk in the way of integrity with their life. Now, I'm telling you, there's many times where I have not done that. But that one example in my life was like a moment of grace where I'm like, whoa, thank you, God. And it was a moment to remind me that there's always more at stake in the moment than what we realize. Proverbs 28 verse 6 says, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. In other words, you may get ahead. You may be able to get everything you want in the here and the now, but that's not what life is about. Some of you may have heard of Abraham Lincoln. Yep. A few of you have heard of Abraham Lincoln. He was one of the presidents of the United States of America. And before he was president, he used to work in a store. And a lady came into his store one day, purchased some items, and after she left, he realized that he'd accidentally charged her a few, just a few cents too much in the purchase. And even though it was a small amount and he thought to himself, oh, is it worth it? He felt uncomfortable keeping it. So he decided as soon as he closed the store, he was going to walk several miles to the woman's house to return the amount that he had overcharged her. On another occasion, a similar incident happened where he had given a customer less weight in tea than she had paid for. The customer left the shop, was closed, but Lincoln didn't want to wait until the next day to correct his mistake, so he took the extra weight of tea and he walked to the customer's home and gave her the exact amount that she was owed. It was after these occasions and many others that Abraham Lincoln earned the nickname Honest Abe. Now, it's a funny little illustration, but it reminds us of the fact that it's the little things in life that help develop the mindset and the practice of integrity in our lives. If we can be faithful in acting on the small things, you know when a huge thing comes your way. You have the integrity of heart, the mindset, and the commitment to say, this is who I am. Because integrity at the end of the day is not just an action, it's an identity. 
you actually make a decision to say, I'm going to be a person of integrity. And a person of integrity who thinks like that, acts like that consistently in all the small little things, will have a moment at some point in their life where they will be put to the test and there will be a lot at stake. And if you've ever wondered, with all the scandals that happen that end up on our TV sets, how people blow it big time, you can almost be guaranteed it's because all the little times start to add up that it becomes second nature at a big moment or a big opportunity to make a decision that's going to ruin your career or your life or your reputation. So I want to lead towards the end of our message this morning with this thought. Integrity will bless your inner life, your future, and others around you. What do I mean by that? Integrity... Being upright and choosing truth and righteousness and right living in any given moment, it's going to bless your inner life because you live with a sense of knowing in your heart of hearts and your mind that you're living true to your convictions and your values. It's the worst thing when you violate your values or your convictions and you find yourself at night lying in bed thinking about the fact that there's a misalignment there. Integrity will bless your inner life, but it will bless your future. It blesses your future not because you necessarily get everything that you want that you can get from ill-gotten gain now. It blesses your future because you walk into your future walking the path of right living, which most times leads to blessing and goodness. It means you walk the path that you intend to walk rather than walking a crooked path that leads to destruction, that ruins your reputation, relationship, and often leads to a kind of poverty of life, sometimes even literally, that will destroy you and your family. And integrity will not only bless your inner life and your future, but it can bless others around you. There are a couple of different angles we need to think about when we think about our decisions and our choices, and these are some of them. Number one, some of the impact that you have in your life is directly a result of somebody else's choices. Sometimes some of the things that we have to carry in life is because somebody else didn't act with integrity and those decisions and choices have a direct impact on our life. Maybe through harm, maybe through misuse of resources, maybe you don't have something that you're meant to have in your life because of somebody else's lack of integrity. There are things that happen to us in our life that are out of our control. Earthquakes, cyclones, circumstances that it's not anyone's fault that you can point to. But there are definitely those things that impact us as a result of somebody else's decisions and choices. The challenge and the question is you can't do anything else about what somebody else has or hasn't done to your life other than to think about what it means for you to respond and live your life walking towards healing, and making choices in your life to learn in wisdom from those decisions and choices. And one thing that will never serve you well is to actually walk in ju with a judgmental attitude towards other people whose decisions and choices has had impact on your life. That just never serves us well. But what does serve us well is to be discerning, to be able to make a judgment and call and say that was unjust 
or that was, a, that was a, an, an, an action that has resulted in harm to my life or others. And you call it for what it is, and you respond to it in the best way that you know how, getting support and help. But the challenge when we flip it around the other way is to ask ourselves the question, are we making any decisions and choices in our life that will impact our future or those around about us? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. In other words, the decisions and choices I make about my finances, the decisions and choices that I make about how I conduct my life, how I parent, how I love my wife, they will impact my family and my children. And I've already worked out that some poor decisions and choices I've made in my past have had impact on others other than me. So what do you do about that? There are three things I want to finish with today to encourage you. When you see duplicity in your life, don't walk in shame. Walk in God's grace where you receive the gift of forgiveness and love and mercy and an invitation to repent and to do a 180-degree turn and walk the other direction. And there are three things you can do. Number one, you've got to own it fully. This is integrity, wholeness. You take full responsibility for your part in any action, and you say, I have to take total responsibility for this because you cannot walk in integrity and freedom without doing that. That's the first thing. The second thing is you've got to make it right as much as is within your power. You go back and you, you see if you can not only apologize and own it and demonstrate change, but see if there's some way that you can rectify a situation or bring about a change if that is possible. Sometimes it's not. And the third thing is you make a decision and choice today to walk in integrity today. And this is the path of wisdom and life. We have to just go, hey, it is what it is. I've done what I've done and I will have to take full responsibility for those consequences. But I will make a decision and choice today to honor God and to honor those in my life and honor my future by making a choice today that helps me walk into integrity from the littlest decisions to the greatest. On Friday night, I told a story to our teenagers, and I'm gonna invite the musicians if they'll come forward. I told a story to our teenagers because um, I had a, uh, a chance to, to lead youth on a Friday night. And so I get to the end and we were talking about Proverbs and we were talking about integrity. And I told them a story that as I was telling them a story, I thought, I'm, I know this story. I'm, I've told this story before. I'm super familiar with it. And as I start telling the story, I get muddled up in my head and I'm thinking, I'm kind of forgetting a bit exactly how this story works. It's like when you tell a joke, but you're telling the punchline before you get there. And so I start telling this story and, and I kind of muddle it all up. And at the end of talking this message to the young people about integrity, my daughter walks up in front of two other youth leaders and goes, Dad, you messed that up. That's not the, how the story goes. I'm like, hey, it's my story. She's like, that's not how the story goes. You told it to me two times before, and that's not how it goes. And as I'm standing there listening to her, I wanted to kind of rebut her and put her in her place, but I'm like, yes, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I've muddled that up. And I went back and found the story, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is how the story goes. Do you want to know what the story is? So years and years ago, there was a swimmer 
in Australia whose goal and dream was to become an Olympian as a swimmer. And it came to the race where this race, depending on the result, would choose whether or not he got into the Australian Olympic swimming team or not. After training week in, week out, day in, day out for this, this is a huge moment that's about to take place. And as this person swims, they start doing their laps. And as they get towards the end of the race, they get down the end of the pool and they have to do their tumble turn. And as they turn and go back down under the water, his feet don't touch the wall. And this is before we had the electronic boards on the back that can feel every single touch. So as he turns around, he just starts swimming for his life and realizes in his mind, you didn't touch the wall. So he turns around in the race, swims back, and touches the wall. And everyone's going, what are you doing? And he finishes the race and loses his place and his chance to be in the Olympic Games. And when he was interviewed and asked afterwards, why'd you turn around? He said, because for the rest of my life, I knew if I had got into the Olympic team, I didn't deserve it because I didn't do what you train every single day in this discipline to do. That is, you touch that wall and you go off and you complete the race. So I had to turn back and touch the wall because I couldn't live with that. Let's be people that turn back and touch the wall. Let's be people that go back and have a conversation with someone and say, hey, I, I didn't tell you the full truth the other day. Hey, I was scared and I said I read that book when I didn't read that book. Hey, I didn't give you the full amount of money that we got from this. I got to give you back the full amount of money. This is the practice of going back and touching the wall. And if you do, you walk in integrity and righteousness, you honor God and you walk in the blessing and the favor of God.